Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios of Outlaw Radio USA, nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area, the following program is produced with technical brilliance and expertise <laughs> by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. Why, why is it you make fun of this technical brilliance? Because your microphone's going to go out in 35 seconds. Oh, okay. <laughs> True crime uncensored. I am the legendary Burl Bear, the man over there, Howard Lapidus, manager to the star. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker, who now knows everything about Susie Spencer, even down to what she's wearing. Oh, you know, it's called clothes, Burl. Oh. Hey, hang on. Susie, give me one second, because I want to straighten him out before he starts up with you, okay? Hey, Burl. <laughs> what? You don't do this with Susie Spencer. I, you don't know what I do with Susie Spencer. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, she's a centerpiece lazy Susan of the smorgasbord. Oh, man. <laughs> this is a guest of this show, somebody that supports us. Yeah, she does. She's a wonderful human being. That, too. Well, that's her normal reaction to be on our program. <laughs> Susie Spencer. Yes. You're as wonderful as ever. Oh, well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was just going to let you guys go on, see where this went, and then maybe or maybe not <laughs> join in. Good. You know where it goes. It always goes to the same place. Once again, Susie, I'm just trying to get your back with this guy. You don't... I, and, and I know that you've been uh, high and low when it comes to people like Burl. <laughs> Well, how do you mean that? Well, she's, she's written books about people like you, but that's just another story. Uh -huh. Psychotic commies? Huh? Psychotic, yeah. that's the title of her next book. Psychotic commies and the women who love them. Mm, <laughs> that's mm. an idea. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I resemble that remark. Okay. Hang on, I'm, I'm still... I'm, 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 Psychotic commies and the, women, and the who women who love them. Yeah. So you're so you're implying is that is they're that, lovable? That, no. <laughs> that there's more than one? <laughs> I'm not alone in this world. Oh, okay. All right. Yes, I have minions. Scotland. I'm mostly on Shabbos. Okay, where were we? <laughs> well, we were uh, somewhere uh, talking to Susie Spencer. Oh, that's right, the famous she, Susie Spencer. She's our guest today, and that's. A, a I good think thing. that's very nice of her to take time out of her busy schedule. Oh, yeah. You know, had to turn off Home and Garden TV to talk to you guys. <laughs> oh, my. Boy, you know how to party. <laughs> yeah. Give me those rhododendrons, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I knew my career was over when I started dealing with that network, by the way. Really? Yeah. Is it like a perennial problem? It's No, it's just, oh, oh God, oh. what happened to me? <laughs> Susie immediately yeah. complains about my jokes. Joke. <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, I'm corny. What can I say? Yeah, <laughs> so that too. Yeah, well, she's just a, well, a hometown girl, you know. Although she very bravely went off to, like, what, sub-Saharan Africa to tell them about Jesus when you were 12 years old or something? Oh, let's see. Where was I? Singapore, Malaysia? I can't remember. Yeah, it's all a blur. <laughs> yeah, more <laughs> like 17 or 18. <laughs> Boy, were you gullible, uh, dedicated. <laughs> oh, don't cross that line. <laughs> I won't cross that line. You you are dedicated as human being. I am being. staring him down now like you would not. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just, blinded. Huh? Yeah, bl <laughs> blinded by science. I do, and, 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 and as, as much of a 
Well, I, I'm almost as bad as Bro, but not even close. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting statement. That's why I said it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about something more depressing than the fun we're having. Oh, my. Well, oh, oh, do we, you, want to, I, I, you really want to go there? Well, I thought we'd talk about why she's here. We're going to segue from kidding around to... uh, Something as horrifying as this? Kids in a bathtub, dead? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful idea. Well, see, the thing is, is that it's an anniversary of sorts. Not the kind of anniversary you celebrate, but the anniversary of an event that, in my personal opinion, should have stimulated more interest and care in dealing with people who suffer from mental problems. But Me it, being one of them, of course. Susie, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about the... Andrea Yates. He, she knows that. Yes. She wrote the damn book. But, yeah. but the, That's what the, it says right on the front, the right damn there, book. Right there, the yeah. damn book by Susie Spencer. Um, <laughs> have we made progress in the last 15 years? We have. Even in Texas, we have. That's saying something. Yeah, because there have been some uh, laws changed in Texas about mental health care, uh, providing uh, women who have children or, you know, right after birth information on postpartum depression and psychosis and mental health. Uh, Getting uh, in Houston, uh, people who've been released from jail, providing them with mental health care. And so there is progress, if nothing else, the conversation that, you know, celebrities nowadays are coming out and talking about their problems with bipolar depression or postpartum depression. You know, there are... Yeah, like Sally Sally Fields uh, is one. I think she mentioned that Flying Nun was a documentary. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Real quick, Susie, just for the sake of the audience, can you just kind of give us a thumbnail on uh, on Yates? so they, they, well, they remember I mean, or know what we're talking about? Well, uh, it was 15 years ago in June that Andrea Yates, so, suffering from postpartum psychi- uh, psychosis as well as other mental illnesses, uh, in a psychotic, I don't, I don't want to say rage, but in, in a, you know, dealing with psychosis, she drowned her five children in the bathroom of her home in the bathtub uh, with the belief that she was the devil and she was saving the children from her uh, by getting them to heaven where they would be with Jesus and protected from her. And um, so there was, you know, she immediately called the police after she had done this and tucked the children into her bed and uh, said, you know, I've killed my children. And the police arrived and immediately arrested her, and then she was found to be psychotic for several months, and then a a jury said that she wasn't psychotic anymore and she could go to trial. She was found guilty, but she was found guilty in part on false testimony by Park Dietz, who he and the prosecutor insinuated that Andrea had seen an episode of Law and Order where a woman had killed her children, uh, blamed psychosis, and got off scot-free. Mm. Ends up that there was no such TV show, no such, well, there was obviously there was a Law and Order TV show, but there was no such episode, and it was false testimony. Well, wait a minute. Now, didn't this occur to these liars that this lie was going to be pretty obvious? Apparently not. Uh, Park Dietz claims that he was doing work on so many shows that he just got confused. Yeah. 
I found the uh, judge's um, <clears throat> response to this not this news fascinating. Oh, it, it just stunned me because she tells the uh, jurors to, you know, like, ignore that part of the testimony, but then at the same time she told them to, you know, pay attention to the entire ev- uh, all testimony. And it was just the judge on this, uh, who is now a prosecutor in Houston. She left the bench to become a prosecutor. And mm. basically, to me, she was a prosecutor on the bench. Mm. Uh, she would make the objections for the prosecution when they would miss something. Oh, but that doesn't that's, sound that's right. Fair and that does me. not sound right. Yeah, that, I had watched hours and hours and hours and hours of video of Andrea that she made of the children. Because it seemed like the video camera and the kids were her only friends, which is not exactly true, but it's the only one she was allowed around. And so there would be all these videos of the children where she's teaching them, she's having fun with them. You don't see her in the video because she's uh, running the camera. But you hear her voice encouraging them and being thrilled and excited for them. And when the judge allowed the video in the courtroom, she did not allow the audio. Oh, I've seen this before. Yes. So the jurors are seeing these videos of these beautiful, happy children, and they're thinking, oh, my gosh, this evil woman killed them. How horrible. And they do not get to hear the entire story or entire picture where... She's encouraging them and being a great mom. Mm. How, how did you uh, did did you get a hold of videos through the uh, because they went through the court system? No, Rusty sent them to me. Andrea's husband. Oh, okay. Now, what's the story? That guy must have been devastated. Um, that what Rusty? Yeah. Uh, people think he wasn't because he was always so. Um, composed on camera speaking to the media and everything. Yeah, almost, almost kind of stoic-like, I found. But I was rarely around Rusty one-on-one in person where when I would talk to him, he would not get emotional and get teary-eyed. How did you get to, how did you get to meet and speak with him? Something happened. Um, I went to, to, to his church. Uh, actually, I take it back. The first time I met him, I was walking to the courthouse, and I spotted his mother and him. And I just briefly <laughs> spoke to him, saying, hey, the media is around such and such. You may want to go around this other area. And he said, oh, don't worry, we're used to it. And then a woman who was going to the same church as he was uh, invited me to church. And then they invited me to stay afterwards for the potluck. And so Rusty and I sat there and talked for a long time over a potluck lunch at, at the church. And then we just sort of stayed in touch. The other thing that happened that really changed things was 9-11 because I was just one little true crime writer pursuing this story against major media with them having entire staffs of producers and reporters and big budgets to woo people with Mm -hmm. gift baskets and fancy dinners, and I could, like, say, hey, I can take you to Mickey D's. (laughs) 
and uh, 9-11 happened, and all those reporters disappeared. And I was like the only one left for Rusty to talk to. What's, uh, what's he doing now? He's still working at NASA. He has gotten a law degree since then, and uh, he's remarried and has at least one child. You know, I thought it was fascinating is, is him talking about that trial, about how he thought that was so cruel, cruel to do to his wife. Yes. Yes. You know, I live in Austin, and here the the DA's office often confers with the victim's family to see what they want. Do you want us to go for the death penalty or whatever? Uh, the DA's office in Houston, which is Harris County, was bent for publicity reasons on going for the death, going to trial and on the death penalty. And they never conferred with Rusty or Andrea's family, you know, who would be the grandparents and aunts and uncles of the children. Uh, on, on Rusty's side or Andrea's side, and none of them wanted, the, you know, mm-hmm. the, to go for the death penalty. And the bottom line is, since the first conviction was overturned and the second uh, trial ended in not guilty by reason of insanity, this could have all saved Harris County millions of dollars if the DA's office had been done what was right in the beginning and sent her to a mental health institution and kept her there. Wow. And so what, the, what was, I mean, we've run into this situation before where DA's will get a whiff of potential notoriety by their prosecution. And instead of being true to their oath, they, uh, they go sideways. Well, and the, the DA on this case... He would wear a What Would Jesus Do bracelet. When he argued with Rusty's aunt, who was a minister herself, he would quote Bible verses about why he should go for the death penalty. And then after the trial, he got thrown out of office because he had porn on his computer, racist (laughs) info on his computer, and was having an affair or had had an affair. I believe it was with his secretary. Hey, who's never done that? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourself. I never was fortunate enough to have a secretary. I don't have a computer. (laughs) You just got the porn, right? That's right. (laughs) Okay. An eight millimeter. Uh, Castle Films. <laughs> there was a time when we used to have the 8 millimeter. Yeah, I had those. Yeah. Sorry, Susie. We did. <laughs> we just had a little nostalgia, nostalgia flash there. Yeah, there. Flash. I went, my God. Yeah, that was 8 millimeter, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 What the fleece saw. I can just hear the click, 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 Oh, so, so you're no stranger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, those home movies used to show them on the front of the refrigerator. <laughs> so uh, what happened that made you revisit this particular story? That made me come to the story? Is that what you said? Don't go, re- revisit it. Go oh, back re- and... To revisit it? Yeah. Because um, the book came out initially before the first trial, and my game plan was always to do an update of the book because I attended every day but one of the, the first trial, and it irritated the heck out of me that I could not tell the full story because there were things that I had in the original book that the vetting attorney for the publisher made me pull. Ooh. And all of that information came out in the trial. Oh. As well as I wanted the public to see 
the ridiculousness of the trial, the bias of the judge, um, the how a man who has, supposedly has a great career can get up there and lie on the stand and get away with it and his career not be damaged one iota. I wanted people to see the truth of the trial. And so finally, you know, nearly 15 years after the trial, I was finally got the opportunity to update it. Wow, that's a, that's a blessing. It's fascinating how you acquired the material. Well, and then uh, since the case was so long ago, Dr. Lucy Perrier, who was the expert the psychiatric witness for the defense, opened up her files to me. And I am the first reporter, as far as I know, well, in fact, that's what Lucy told me, to ever have access to her files. And mm. I went down to her house. She went, took me to the garage and said, here they are, go through them. And so I spent a few hours going through the files. And then she came back, because she'd gone off for a bike ride with her husband, and came back and said, I really don't know what to do with this. Why don't you take it? <laughs> yeah. She, she said, you know, I've been keeping these in my garage for years. I don't know what to do with them. Take whatever you want. Wow. That's a true crime author's dream. And, yeah. the, and the lawnmower, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, the bicycle. Yeah, the bicycle. <laughs> the 8-millimeter projector. <laughs> that is really fantastic. I, I know that feeling. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And there's some stuff that I didn't take that I wish I had. It's like, Lucy, can it come back? Yeah. That's, when I was, I'm not that I'm going to plug a book, but I'll plug oh, a book. I'll plug a book. My book, uh, Headshot, which had... What was that called again? Headshot. Headshot? Yeah. Uh, there were, uh, what, three trials, uh, two mistrials, a judge who recused himself by screaming, this trial is giving me eccentric headache, number 830, and stormed out of the courtroom, <laughs> didn't come back, and uh, there were appeals to the state Supreme Court. So I went to the... Uh, the uh, state Supreme Court uh, library, whatever, or storage room, where they had tons of boxes of all the different trials. And I said, I'd like some copies. They said, what would you like? And I said, everything. They said, no one has ever asked for everything before. And so I had to rent a minivan to carry all the boxes oh back. Oh, my gosh. And I never got a bill. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was incredible. <laughs> I'm just probably looking for me now. <laughs> so, so where do you store all of this? Well, I fortunately I had uh, a writing area in a home that used to used to belong to a chiropractor. And the entire there's an entire upstairs area that you could only get by one staircase. It was huge, which is where I I wrote, and there was plenty of room for all those boxes. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and uh, I I had every absolutely everything from every trial, every mistrial, every appeal. But I got a question for you here. Being is that. The trial itself is almost criminal, which was the same in, in, in my particular situation. Do you get what I do, which is people go, all this trial stuff is so boring. You know, they, they, some true crime readers don't want to know about the trials. They don't want to know about that stuff. They just want to know who killed who and why. Exactly. And, yeah, I, I want the background. I don't want the trial. Um but then I've also have other readers say I'm more interested in the trial. Yeah. And you know that my my book of the fortune hunter, 
uh, about Celeste Beard, a killer here in also in Austin, who, uh, with the manager of the top bookstore in Texas, you know, killed her husband. And I really focused on the trial on that case. And some people are, you know, eh, I want only the background, but I love that because the attorney on that case was Dick DeGaron, who is representing Robert Durst. Mm. And Dick DeGaron has a lot of tells, so to speak, that you can t- you, he has physical signals with his hair and with his face color and everything that you know when the prosecution is getting to him or when the judge is getting to him. And so it's like I want to say to the prosecutors in L.A. who are going to be, you know, going up for against DeGaron on Robert Durst, here, read this book. <laughs> if you want to know how to get to DeGaron and beat him, read this book. Yeah. You know, I was given a great piece of advice by our mutual acquaintance, uh, Michael Michael Hamilton, Uh uh, Kensington Publishing, when I was getting the blues over, of course, she said, never read your reviews on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) She said, because there's trolls on there who just say... Don't don't read your reviews. And I'm not not kidding around. Don't read them. Well, I ran into DeGarren one day, and he told me how much he didn't like the book. Well, that's, no, that's good, though. And, yeah. <laughs> well, see, but I did make the mistake if I didn't follow her advice, and I read the reviews, and I could read all these wonderful, glowing five-star reviews, and, but it's the one-star review where they go, too much boring stuff about the trial. That's the stuff I remember. That's all you care about. <laughs> yeah. So I, and so when I was writing Fatal Beauty... Uh, oh, just I, a second, another plug? Another plug for one of my okay. books. Yeah. What's it called again, bro? Uh, Fatal Beauty. Fatal Beauty? <laughs> Which I got that case... Th- Thanks to Susie Spencer, by the way. Uh, then send Susie some points. I did, yeah. I said, here's, I pointed her in this direction. And uh, I let that stuff uh, influence me. And uh, Miss Hamilton said, Burl, you write books for people who like your books, not those who don't. Ooh, great advice. Yeah, great advice of all. Hell, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I got to update the Fortune Hunter also. And what was interesting to me is I unfortunately read the reviews, or maybe fortunately, because the original edition, the reviews were horrible. And at the time, I just thought, oh, those are sour grapes. Those are people who don't like me or whatever. And then when I went back and read the book to update it, I went, holy cow, they're right. They hit it on the the nail on the head. And so I went back and rewrote the book based on their input and plus then some new info I had. And it was shocking. For the most part, the new reviews of the new revised edition are really good. Yeah, well, don't read them. (laughs) (laughs) Don't twist your brain. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. Well, they they do have trolls out there, you know, that that they look and see if your book is getting a lot of five-star reviews, four-star reviews, they will intentionally post a one-star review, even if they've never read the book. And you can usually spot that they've never read the book because the reviews will begin... I read lots of true crime, but this is the first review I've ever written because this book is so bad, I just had to write a bad review. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, once again, I think that that advice that you got about writing books for, for people, people who, who like them. you. You know what I've learned to do, though, to make myself feel better? Drink a lot? <laughs> no. Uh, a lot of Diet Coke, yes. But um, 
I click on those reviews to see who the person is and look at their other reviews. Yes, I was just going to mention that. Yeah, and usually they have, all they give is one or two star yeah, reviews. Yeah, that's their, that's their career. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they feel powerful, is by bringing down your uh, your ratings. Of course, then sometimes there's organized campaigns of that. Our friend uh, Stephen Long. Yes. He had that. Uh, 27 people, all belonging to the same church. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Just Jeez. went on a campaign. When you guys are thinking about the people that write these, here's what I want you to put in your head. You ready? Yeah. A picture in your head of a mega overweight retired truck driver with a beer on one side and a computer in front of him and nothing else to do but sit there in his underwear. You just named some of my sources for Sacred Sex Live. <laughs> I, just, I was just trying to see if you'd get that. See, see I'm, I'm trying to learn from Burl about how to sneak in all the other books. Yeah, that's You're doing a good job. <laughs> Between the two of you today, I, I've, got, I've got scars on my feet from all the... Well, I'm just glad you, you haven't you wasted like your a, time today. You feel like this is an infomercial? <laughs> Wait, there's more. Yes. Oh, gonna, hang on, I'm going to plug my book. <laughs> you haven't written it yet. more you can get. That's but right. uh, I'm glad, uh, my dear, that you haven't wasted your time. Oh, oh. thank you, thank you. Yeah. Because I started to bring up about our mutual editor at Kensington, how she keeps telling me wasted is the book that keeps on giving. Yes. Because well. I want to update it again with some new information. <laughs> and a new cover and a new title. Well, yes, it sounds like yes. your, your your job is a, is a wages of sin. Oh, <laughs> oh you're oh, really man. good. Yeah. You're really good. Here's a guy you know, he does his homework and then brags. <laughs> you, know, you know, Mark was that guy in, in school that sat in the front row and just as the... You forgot the homework. <laughs> <laughs> you going to do the jokes or me? Uh, I'm preempting you. Yeah, no, that was the guy. That's that's exactly who you are. Yeah. Boy, I don't like you. Sure. <laughs> it's not easy writing true crime. It's not easy being a guest on our show. No. No. As no. Millions, millions have discovered over the past eight years. By the way, by the way, you were on Dan Zapansky's show the yeah. other day, right? Oh, Susie should go on Dan's show and debate with him about this thing about putting people in the nut house. Okay, fine. Yeah. Why don't you just promo Dan's show more? Okay. okay. True Murder, hosted right. by Dan Zapansky. Right, so, and you had like 140,000 downloads. And, and yeah, I was on his show. 140,000 people downloaded his interview with me. Really? Yeah. Why I'm never invited and to And I deleted things. all of them. Hang on a second. I'm never invited to these damn things. Was that one of those trolls that that did it, downloaded it a zillion times? Yeah, the troll's a troll, name yeah, just, just, just to make him look good. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> well, you know, Dan hasn't had me on his show. Well, what's he going to talk to you about, Paul Abdul? He can, if he'd like. But you haven't written the book. No, you want to talk about a criminal? We could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul is doing better nowadays, it seems. Well, uh, talk about uh, mental illness. But the uh, <laughs> and come on, Paula Sumi, come on, baby. I'm uh, not even going to go there. <laughs> oh man, I'd, I'd love her to sue me. Uh, yeah, that give you some notoriety. I don't want the notoriety. <laughs> I just want the countersuit. You know the problem is, is we share the same lawyer. So. <laughs> <laughs> Conflict of interest, exactly. Right there. So uh, you sat down and you you uh, you put what twenty thousand new words into this uh, edition of Breaking Point. Yes, I did. That's a big chunk of words. Yes, luckily I had, because I had wanted to do this for so many years. Luckily, a big chunk of it was written. Ah, 
so but so, then I, I still went back and added quite a bit more some info about the uh, grand jury hearing some of the uh, the conversations that Lucy Perrier had with Andrea Yates that had never been released before uh, and then like I say my trial tr coverage and then updates on where everyone is and what they're doing now I got a question for you back in the, the days of the trial there was a gag order issue that was probably unconstitutional what was that all about oh it was definitely unconstitutional uh, it was ruled unconstitutional the judge um, issued a gag order, but, of course, it didn't really happen until the prosecution had gotten a lot of cops to say a lot of things about Andrea condemning her. And by issuing the gag order, then um, the defense never got their side out. And the only way they could sneak in information was trying to argue things in front of the judge. And then she'd say, I'm not going to try, try this now, you know, wait for the trial or one of the big chunks of information that came out uh, that got around the gag order is they released, I want to say it was a thousand pages of medical records. And boy, when you looked at those medical records, you got the full story. Mm. But uh, Rusty Yates, when he was at the, I guess you would call it the, the uh, viewing of the children's bodies, mm. that that's when he was served with the gag order. Oh. I thought that was so cruel. And bottom line is no one affiliated with the case could talk to the press so that people who had told me they would talk to me and who like maybe knew Rusty in passing and worked with him or maybe had seen Andrea on the street or something. Um, by that, I mean grocery shopping. Or, uh, <laughs> they, I'd like to clear that up. Yes. Um, and with you guys, I need to. Yes. <laughs> Why do you do? Why did you pluralize that? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I from, can't see who top, I'm talking from to. From the top of this show, I've tried to have your back with this perverted communist. <laughs> Thank I'm you. I'm not a communist. <laughs> so anyway, back to the story. But um, people started backing out on me on interviews because they were scared they were going to get hauled into jail for breaking the gag order when they didn't really even have anything to do with the case. The irony is the two people who constantly broke the gag order were the DA and Rusty Yates. Huh. Interesting combination. Well, they both did 60 Minutes. Yes, exactly. You have really read the book. Yeah. Or either watch the coverage. That's all, that's all he does. That's, he has no life. <laughs> I understand. I relate. In fact, in fact I, I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> Especially on this program. But uh, uh, it is amazing. Uh, I don't think the generality of people in America realize how horrifyingly bizarre and corrupt and, and twisted uh, our so-called justice system is. Because they don't want to read about the trials. <laughs> they don't know how bad it is. Well, I, I, I'm presuming what you were getting at is how I ended up uh, suing the judge. Oh, good. Let's hear that juicy story. Because she pulled my press credentials. Because the book came out just before the trial, she thought I was in cahoots with Rusty Yates to change the public's opinion of Andrea because of one line in the book where I, all I did was simply quote uh, Rusty and his plan to do this. And because I quoted that line, she thought I was in cahoots with Rusty. Can I ask, let me ask a stupid question. Figures. If, yeah, thanks. Yeah, 
least I said it myself. <laughs> All right? Yeah. No. I was saying class. There are no stupid questions. Thank you. So, so just stupid Susan, answers. <laughs> I'm just trying to have, have your back. Let's, thank you. So, it's so a broad one too. So, so let's say you were in quote unquote cahoots with Rusty Yates. So what? Where, where's where's the law being broken there? I don't know, but the bottom line is I wasn't. Right. But but let's say you even you were. How can she uh, uh, pull your press credentials based on on anything? You would have to ask the judge because she also said that I misled her about the book when I do not know how I misled her when I never had any communication with her about the book. Hmm. Well, so so uh, just a, a first class, um, yeah. what's the word I want? A-H? No. <laughs> no, I'm looking for a real word here. I can't <laughs> because she's not, this is not... Ethical. Just, it's not ethical. I'm glad she's not on the bench. I wish she wasn't working for uh, the people. Well, I, I don't make too many trips to Houston yeah. nowadays. So tell me here. about, uh, what did you sue her? Well, I sued her sure. to get my sure. press credentials back because they, you know, just, I, I had emails and phone messages saying I had the credentials, and then all of a sudden I got a phone message saying we're pulling them. And um, so I sued, and it was a surreal experience. Like, I felt like I was in a courtroom run by Charlie's Angels or something because <laughs> I was sitting there with my attorney, the attorney representing the judge who was the, from the district attorney, I mean, excuse me, the um, attorney general's office, was on speakerphone. Weird. Were you suing her personally or were you suing... Uh, uh, the judge. You were suing the judge personally. Uh-huh. And we were told no evidence would be given, but yet the prosec- I mean, the, the judge and her team got to present evidence. I had rebuttal for everything, but I was not allowed to say anything. So, so how did this thing um, The judge won. I lost. And it ended up that I was allowed into the trial if I got out there every, every morning to stand in line with the general public to get a pass to get in, which meant that I spent the trial on the back row. Oh, boy. We're going to take a 60-second break to reestablish your credentials, and we'll be right back on True Crime Uncensored with Susie Spencer. Baby, can't you see? drinking, interrupting, 24-hour party that you follow now follows you. Your cell phone or Apple device is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends on Outlaw Radio. You know the demons of decadence. Change the way you listen to radio. 
Radio seven days a week. Now available free at RadioLoyalty.com. Just punch in Outlaw Radio. See that, Mart? You stay on script. Hi, I am the legendary Burl Bear, taking time out of my busy schedule of combing my hair and watering my legend. To remind you that you can have the thrill of a lunchtime by buying all my books. Or at least buy the most recent ones because I get checks faster that way. <laughs> uh, Taste for Murder, written with my good pal Frank C. Gerardo Jr. is still doing real well, thanks to you. And buy several more copies, even if you don't read them. Hand them out on the street, you know, like a charity sort of thing. Also, Murder in the Family, my first, so far only, New York Times bestseller, is now available as an e-book. Uh, and you can still get it as a paperback, but from Wild Blue Press, it's now available as an electronic download. And it's also available as an audio book, which is for people who are illiterate but like to listen to stories. Got a brand new book coming out real soon, Cocaine Cops of the NYPD, uh, based on Ken Urell's personal memoir of being the number two most corrupt cop in the history of the New York Police Department. That's coming out in September from Wild Blue Press. Back to True Crime Uncensored. I've heard of it. Starring me, and for good reason. With Burl <laughs> Bear and Howard Lapidus. And what's his name? Featuring Mark C.G. Boyer. Boy, it was all in one fell swoop that time. How does he get a featuring? He gets a featuring, and also featuring, yeah. And introducing. <laughs> hey, yeah, that, that, that's what we want, and introducing. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Horace Buckles. Yeah. <laughs> Room 222. Thank you. Um, Room for one more. That one more is Susie Spencer. Hi, Susie. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you had fun during the break. I did. <laughs> God did only hear, knows. Did you, did you hear the plugs? Yes, I heard the plugs. I complimented them. Yeah. yeah. More yeah Susie actually blurbed, uh, which means she wrote a nice review that we put in our promotional package for uh, A Taste for Murder. And she gets that wonderful opportunity again with my next book, which I'll be sending her. Why do you, why do you not ever ask me to write something? Uh, no one knows or cares who you are except Dr. Dre or whoever the hell he is. Uh, Dr. Drew Pinsky, yeah. Is that right, Pearl? Yeah, he's famous. So, so in other words, so what you've decided to do, Susie, again, pardon, 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 pardon my interruption. You decided to, to take me on? No, I'm just poking because you Because you're going to leave at 3 o'clock, and I'm going to murder you from 3 until like 9 tonight. Oh, you always do that anyway in my absence. But, uh, no, Howard is, uh, well, I'll let you blurb the book, Howard. What, my, your book? Yeah. I'll be happy to blurb your book. Well, thank you. It would be an honor to read your book and give you a, 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 a little paragraph. Yeah, you know how to write them too. I do. Yeah, short and pithy. Yeah, that's my that's my middle name. Yeah, that's how See, people I often should, describe I, him as short and pithy. I should have gotten Howard to blurb secret sex lives. And by the way, I could do. I could. <laughs> our uh, our executive producer said, "Great morning, team." Um, <laughs> I, I would be happy to do that on your next book. Well, it's, it's going to be a little different, so I don't know. You what, know. What, I'm, oh, my God, I'm afraid to find out what it is. Oh, okay. Is so, it a so sequel thing, to Secret Sex Lives? So, so the only thing I'm qualified, is that what you're saying? The only thing I'm qualified <laughs> to blurb on is, is the Secret Sex Life book? Sure, Susie. Well, um, my next book may not be too po uh, popular with you guys, because I know you're into cigars and all that kind of stuff. Well, something it has, bad about cigars? Well, and it has to do with lung cancer, so. Oh. Uh, by the way, no, no. It, it, it would go right. They don't inhale. It's okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sam and Bill. But that secret <laughs> sex life book, you, you know. Yeah. The sequel is bigger secret If sex you really life. want me to interview you, I will. Because I'll, I'll talk to you about that book and where you had to go and what you had to do. And I want to see. Uh, I, I, yeah, you know what? Let's but. do that. Well, it's a great book. I know. Let's 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 book an hour and a few months and get Susie in here. And we'll do that book. Okay, she's coming to L.A. When are you coming to L.A.? Uh, Mid August. Well, that's Ooh. like soon. Yeah, I think of the the date that I may be in L.A. was the one date you said no, you can't do the show that day. Oh, you can do the show any day, even if we have other guests, you can participate. <laughs> We have Erin Moriarty on August... Uh, well, that's the one you were probably keeping her out of. <laughs> no, no, no. She and Erin would get along you great. You treasure Erin Moriarty. Yeah, well, she still wants her damn toaster. Yeah, well, send her the damn toaster. <laughs> I'm not sending her the toaster. That's the, the hook no, we no, use to keep or, getting or, her back. Or it's next week. She's in town next week when you're not here. I won't be here next week. Right. A big blessing for Howard. He gets to rule the show without me interrupting. <laughs> so if you, want to do, if you want to do the show next week, come on, come on by. <laughs> Well, I won't be in L.A. next week. Okay. okay. Well, the Saturday after, uh, Aaron will be on the phone. You can come by. And, uh, on now? Huh? Susie is on now. But, you know, we'll have her on what again. What we're trying to do is invite her to the studio. Yeah, yeah that's Why? what I want. I want She's to be fun. in with the end crowd. I, I'm a fan. <laughs> right. <clears throat> we would like two, to have... Two weeks in a row? Uh, well, no, no it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Care. It's not going to happen. She won't be here next week, so it's not a, It's not even a consideration or a problem. But we do uh, extend the invitation to you. Yeah, when well, you do you, come in town, please uh, please give me a call. You have not lived, by the way, until you've been... And I know you researched that Secret Sex Lives book. But you have not lived until you've been in the Lighten Up Lounge. Yeah, it, I would believe that. Think of the sleaziest places you went in researching that book, and, <laughs> and the Taj Mahal compared to the Light Up Lounge. Why are you making? Hey, fun now of our, wait a minute. This is our home. This <laughs> is our home. It actually is quite, quite nice here. How would you describe it uh, in an architectural sense? <laughs> is it better than a fat burger restroom? Uh, it's better than a fat burger restroom. Okay, okay. Um, that's that's its slogan. No, have you ever seen the Lighten Up Lounge? Better than a fat burger restroom. Have you ever seen American Pickers? Yeah, no, no, I haven't. I've seen the ads, but that's it. Okay, well, um, it, this this looks like a place they would come into and go, oh, my God, let's buy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah there are pieces of memorabilia from Matt's career that you can find anywhere, like there's, there, water-damaged copies of Sgt. Pepper. There are <laughs> copies of jokes that Mark C.G. Boyer has written and tried to execute. <laughs> They're lying all over the floor. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like my office. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, so what actually, what, what is next on your agenda? What are you working on? Uh, I'm working on a memoir about my best friend who died from lung cancer. Is that the Benny Hinn one? A Benny Hinn one? Oh, man. oh no, no, that's my cousin. Oh, God, that's oh, a tra- no. Tell that tragic story just because it pisses me off about Benny Hinn. Anything you can say about that, I'd appreciate. No, no, it was uh, my cousin who had breast cancer and was a follower of Benny Hinn and quit doing chemo and radiation and all that because she believed that Benny Hinn had healed her. And I guess I should correct that and say that Jesus had healed her through Benny Hinn. Yeah, well, Jesus does well, have I'm a medical license. i you got that straight, by the way. Thank you. Because otherwise you'd get an argument from me. Oh. Am I going out of my mind? Yeah, I think so. I'm not a big fan of Benny's. Well, obviously I'm not either. No. And I, with all apologies to anyone who may be listening, which would be hard for me to believe, who is a fan of Benny <laughs> Anyone Hinn. who's listening would be hard to believe. If <laughs> anyone's listening. Be a fan of Benny Hinn. Oh, okay. <laughs> is that a tap on restaurant? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. 
I used to watch Oral Roberts tent shows back in the old days when the women would come in with goiters and he'd whack them, you know. Uh-huh. You did? Yeah, I was a kid. I was fascinated with that stuff. What did yeah. he do with the goiters? Uh, he'd give them some salt and send them home. <laughs> Yeah, they'd be slayed in the spirit and fall down. Yeah, yeah. And if it was a woman, then they'd come and cover them. You yeah, know, yeah. With a, you know, yes. Yeah. You know, when they take out your gallbladder, yeah. what do they do with it? <laughs> they give it to Benny Hinn. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. He has a collection. <laughs> Hanging what? from his rearview mirror of his Cadillac. What yeah, but this, uh, Susie, those are the kinds of things that cross my mind. I just, you know. <laughs> I like Benny's little bald friend that he used to smack the top of his head. <laughs> I, thought, I thought they burned them. They don't burn them? I don't know. I'm asking, that's, that's why I ask a question. I was going to bronze them. I, 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 I thought they like slice and dice them, you know, to make sure everything's cancer free, and then and then, then it gets destroyed. Then they then they broil it and serve it <laughs> serve it up at uh, the deli. <laughs> oh no, this one looks relatively her. healthy. <laughs> we can use this. It's not kosher red lobster. It's pate. Have you ever been to Red Lobster? Seriously? Yes. Yes, I have. Do you realize how much lard they serve you in that place? It's not. I lard. didn't. I didn't realize how little seafood they serve oh, you in that place. Zero, <laughs> zero seafood, and uh, and buckets of lard. That's their buckets. slogan: little seafood, buckets, buckets of, of lard. lard. <laughs> That's two slogans we've come up with. Your uh, yeah. your buddy uh, used to do a Fred Lobster uh, bit. I have a buddy that did a... a Fred Roster. Roster. Yeah. What else can we have here? Did the Fred uh, Roster. Okay, right the, but getting back to Andrea Yates uh, being out of, uh, unfortunately, mentally ill and having postpartum depression and other mental illnesses. Well, we're going to talk about the case. Yeah, again. I thought I'd get back to that. Well, yeah, before we get to the case, <laughs> in all seriousness, I'd, and I know you want to you kind of drill down on that, bro, but what, what's your thoughts about Hinckley? Me or I, her? Are, are you asking me Everybody. or Burl? I'd rather hear Burl. Oh, you know, Burl loves that he's out. Yeah, I, don't, I, I just saw that. I just saw that. What are they letting him out for? He served his time. Oh, that makes sense. He then. served his time in the mental institution, and now they let him out. Now, um, is he okay? Well, well, of course not. Oh. The man <laughs> shot the president. Let's let's start with, with that, okay? Okay. You, you don't get to walk around. And that's because he that. just was trying to impress Jody Foster. Yeah, well, Jody's still running around, and so is he. And I don't think that that's a good thing, to be perfectly honest with you. It's, it's, Maybe it's, we should lock her up. No, no, stop it already. I well, they, they, didn't they he say he was, because he has like a tracking device on him, and he's been visiting his 90-something-year-old mother. I want to say she's 90. I 91. That's who's taking it. She's 91, and she's in charge of taking care of him. Right. And didn't he, when he was out on leave, that he would say he was going one place, and he really went another? I, I don't know. Maybe he went to some other 91-year-old woman's house. Yeah, I want to say he went and looked at a photo exhibit or something like that, and I'm like, hmm, photography? Hmm. Hmm. Guy yeah. shot the president. Yeah, I'd never, I never. I met Jody Foster. Spent a couple of weeks with her. Because he shot Maverick, the president. I never brought this up. Because he <laughs> shot the president. They preempted my cartoons for three days. Oh, you sound like me about the the Kennedy uh, funeral. Remember that? I was around for that. Yeah. Everything was preempted. Which Kennedy? Well, uh, J- John F. Kennedy. There were only three networks at the time. I remember well. And they, you know, it was four or five days of nonstop assassination coverage. Yeah, because I was like, you know, about the age of his kids, and right. so I wanted to watch that my Saturday morning cartoons, and instead I remember watching those empty boots and the horse. Remember that? Yeah. It was really, it's a, a lot of people don't know that, or, or don't remember it, or, or think of it like, well, you couldn't have seen that. No, we saw that. Yeah. Uh, living through the assassination of a president, by the way, is not fun. 
And now, now these guys that serve in office can't even breathe because they, they're, they're so well taken care of that you hardly know that they can even be with other people. Yeah, and I remember sitting at home watching live when Jack Ruby shot Oswald. Yeah, me too. Sunday, I just got back from Sunday school, sat down and saw that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to go back to Sunday school. <laughs> and Aww. I didn't like Sunday school. <laughs> yeah, but that was better than watching so some guy get shot people. on TV. They were really shooting people on my television in black and white and all this. Yeah, I yeah. remember that well. But, but, uh, but Hinckley's out. You know, and he was in on, you know, because he was he was deemed mentally ill, and now he's not. And so they let him out in, under the care of his 91-year-old mother. And uh, I think it's all wrong. That's uh, just where I, I come from. This, you don't shoot the president and, and get out. You don't get out. Well, it's interesting because I posted that on my Facebook author page when that first happened, the story about that. And I asked people, I said, what do you think about this, and how would you feel if this were Andrea Yates instead of Hinckley? Yeah. And only one person, I think, commented on that post, and I found that so interesting. Hmm. I think there's another another level to this. Um, <clears throat> there's been a, a, a lot of discussion over the years about the enactment of hate crimes as a legal definition and a change in the sentencing guidelines for crimes that are deemed to be hate motivated as opposed to a crime being a crime being a crime if you kill somebody you've killed somebody yes you, that's is there true. a difference between the motive shouldn't for the killing be. shouldn't be. i don't no, get that i don't understand that at all right and that's so here here howard he killed the president but shot he the just, president. he's shot a murderer him. he shot the president yeah he's a murderer or no he didn't kill him no he shot him he shot him yeah so he so his crime is it any more or less egregious than a shot you or burl well burl's okay but because it's, no, okay, it's okay to, shot James to kill brady who never had the same day in his life again yeah. So you know, I mean, this guy's yeah, this guy's bad news. Yes, he is. But I'm just I, I'm I'm putting it out there. Yeah. Is there is there a difference between who you you've injured and the punishment that goes with? The, the answer to that is um, when it comes to the shooting the president of the United States, there's a whole different book of laws, in my opinion. You just don't do that. I mean, because it, it affects every single person in the country, and 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 we can't have we can't have that. Uh, now, it is, it, it, am I talking a big difference? No, but a difference. I, don't, I, don't, do not, I do not grasp the concept of having different levels of punishment depending on your mindset when you. Well, that's a different. Now, that's a, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. But we're talking about a guy who is it, mentally ill. Fundamentally ill or not, he shot the president and maimed James Braid, and 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 is on the street today. And it seems like it was. It was I bet it's real easy for him to buy a, a gun too if he wants to shoot James Brady again. How about we don't even have to go there, there okay? Yeah. We, we don't have, this doesn't have to be... Maybe a we should give James Brady a gun and send him after him. I think he's no longer with us. Yes, yeah, so Brady died. Yeah. Oh. But again, he never had the same day in his life. No, that, that was moment. pretty horrible stuff. Yeah, and it's uh, not right. And you go to jail and... And, and, and you and stay you, there. You, you stay there. I never want your vegetables the same way again. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Yeah, uh, Pearl. Bye. What? Um, one of the one of the things that I really wanted to talk about, we don't have much enough time, but it's the um, when did you reli- start setting agendas? Right? 
because I'm here. Okay, well, B, then tell us what it is. Yeah. The uh, um, re- uh, religious religiousness and its uh, its impact on individuals. It had a, a severe, serious impact in this case. Yeah, that was one of my, that was where I was going to go with the trial thing. About the, what what influence did this preacher guy have on Andrew? Yeah, it was um, uh, Lucy Perrier, the again the expert psychiatric witness for the defense, said Andrea Yates would have been crazy no matter what, but she never would have killed her children without the influence of Michael Warnecke, who was the traveling preacher that they followed. And, um, you know, I wrote to the traveling preacher, Michael Warnecke, and he sent me back some proselytizing information. And then I used that in the book. And I was told later by another reporter who talked to Warnecke after the book came out that Warnecke had put a curse on me. Oh, well, thank God. How's that going for you? <laughs> yeah. Is it working? Yeah. Well, it's good to think of it. My book sales hadn't been as well as it's been. <laughs> well, there you Maybe go. it was a sexual curse. Oh, stop it. Oh. oh, stop Oh, man. I'm just, you know, covering all bases. But, you know, um, his, uh, Wanaki's wife was in contact with Andrea. Oh, yeah. And that was just horrid. Yeah, and that was a, uh, something I got to add a few extra lines into the book because I had copies of a lot of the letters that Andrea received from Michael Warnecke's wife. Uh, someone slipped them to me. And to read those and the quotes that I got to put in the book because of copyright, I could only put in a few lines here and there. But this time I got to add a few more lines on that. And. It, it was just so sad about constantly telling her that, you know, you're a demon, you know, you're Jezebel, you're evil, you're horrible, and basically there's no hope for you. Well, how swell of him. Yeah, and, and I talked extensively um, to a follower, a former follower of Michael Warnecke, and he basically said that... They always tell you how evil you are and that you're never good enough. And basically, the only people who are going to go to heaven and be saved by Jesus are Michael Warnecke and his family. And everyone else is evil and horrible. I bet Jesus is going to have a few choice words for him in the next world. Uh, One thing is Michael Warnecke says, and his family, I don't, don't call me a Christian. You know, I'm not a Christian. I guess I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't know. And... Speaking of sort of 9-11, there was a 9-11 memorial service, you know, because they were happening all over the country, and Michael Warnecke and his family disrupted it with their huge signs and screaming that you're all going to hell. How uplifting. That's that's their favorite phrase, even to little children. You're going to hell. You're all I think going what to Jesus hell. said, suffer the little children, it didn't mean the little children were supposed to suffer. And that's and we, and we end the show on that. Yes. That, uh, that uplifting note. Breaking Point by Susie Spencer, the brand new expanded edition, all about Andrea Yates in that case, by all of her other books also, including Secret Sex Lives, which is my favorite, especially the final chapter. Hey, Susie, you're always welcome to come here. Please hey. let us know, okay? Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. I'll Thanks. be getting Bye-bye. hold of you offline about that blurb, honey. Hello. Hey, <laughs> Yeah. What's next? Magic Man Allen and the Demons of Deggan is live from the Lighten Up Lounge, where our slogan is, better than a fat burger restroom. Larry, Larry's on the show. Oh, Larry Gatlin, the guy who invented the Gatlin gun. You betcha. Larry Gatlin. We'll be on the show.